0: If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Bellara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Uh, Today I'm here with Paul Thompson. Uh, Paul is, used to work in corporate America, but now is a full-time real estate investor and and quite uh, quite impressive resume. Um, Paul, thank you for being on the show today.
1: Jason, it's an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to dig in.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, why don't you, I, I sort of, Paul and I know each other from, from some business deals, but I also, uh, he's been on the Bigger Pockets podcast, which is a great, great one to listen to, but I'm, I'm hoping you can kind of share your, your story with everybody for, for this podcast, and then we'll kind of dive into whatever topics compel us.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. So just to kind of set the context, some of my backstory is that I was in corporate America And I came from a relatively uh, like lower income family, so I never went hungry, but um, going to college was a challenge. And so I I was able to go to college and get an engineering degree, which allowed me to uh, afford a lifestyle and a professional income, a white collar income, that was not something my parents had access to. And so that allowed me to kind of level up my life and kind of move up the socioeconomic scale. Uh, My my stratification went up uh, probably a a rung or two in the socioeconomic ladder. And that was really kind of a life-changing deal for me. And then I realized that when I actually was in in early 2000s, I, I got this job and I was working It just hit me that, oh, I remember coming out of college and thinking, is this going to be the rest of my life? Yeah. Uh, And I wish I had listened to that voice more at the time. And so I think all of us have that intuition uh, that we don't listen to enough. And I've only recently become more attuned to that. So I I didn't hear it, that, that message then in early 2000s. And I was thankful to have a job and I was thankful to be able to afford things comfortably. And I continued down the corporate path, just kind of settled into uh, the work and, you know, wasn't a corporate drone, uh, a corporate um, uh, worker. I was an engineer by training and about midway through my career, about you know, five or six years into it, I became, I guess, eight years into it, I became a a manager. I just kind of worked my way up the corporate ladder, a very common story in corporate America or or in America. As people gain the white collar jobs, they start working their way up the corporate ladder. And about 15 years into that, in 2015, I realized that I was, I was climbing the wrong ladder. My my ladder was against the wrong wall, said another way. And it just hit me. I was like, what am I doing? And I had a moment um, in a beach vacation that I was like, why am I asking permission to spend more time with my family from this, corporate entity that could care less about my outcomes and and about my quality of my life. They just, I I was a cog in the machine. And I, I just, I was so, I had an emotional event, like an extreme emotional event where I just white knuckled my way back from the, uh, from the beach about 10 hours to Little Rock, Arkansas, where I live um, still. And I thought I've got to find another way. And it took me a while. I did a lot of research and real estate became a path that I, that I tried. I bought a rental property and that rental property became a proof of concept for me to completely change the dynamic of my life. So now fast forward six years later, 2021 was being recorded. Um, at, at this point I would, you know, my, my net worth is north of a million dollars. And um, I've probably, you know, 10, 10 X my net worth in that time. And I've, um, completely changed my life. I have, I'm I'm in complete control of my time and I'm around people that, um, absolutely inspire me and, um, make life worth living. And I'm not trapped in a a cage of, uh, you know, wage slavery where I am trading my time for dollars anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I do think that's a, a fairly, you know, sort of the, the way you get there isn't necessarily common, but I feel like people sort of getting to that realization of this, you know, W2 corporate job, it's not really going to get me where I want to. It's not, certainly not going to get you more time with your family. You know, like you said, you're, you're sort of asking permission. Okay. When can I be off? Well, we need to make sure that time's covered. You know, how, sure. how long do I get off? Well, you get your two, three, whatever amount of weeks it is a year. And it's kind of like you, you just reach that point where, you want to know, you want to control that yourself and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to take as much time as I want off. You know, it's not, I think sometimes people think it's, you know, you're trying to escape working. I, I'm sure you could attest to the fact that there's lots of work to be done in real estate. It's not, oh, yeah. it's not less work. It's just you're in control of, of when you're doing it and, and how you're doing it. Um, you know, so you were, you were at the beach uh, 2015. I mean, t- Tell me a little bit about, you know, sort of that mindset shift you had. I, I think it's often clear what sort of that there's an event to people, but kind of how did that how did you put that into place?
1: So it's a really good question. I put it in place by gradually learning more about what other opportunities are available to me. So I've been investing in the stock market since the early 2000s. And I've just been putting, I've been maximizing my IRA and 401k um, and effectively just uh, investing in the um, total stock market index fund from Vanguard, which is something you hear in the FIRE community a a lot. And I kind of learned that lesson very early. And I, I I gained a sense of confidence that I knew at the time in 2015 I forget exactly the amount, but I had something like four hundred thousand dollars in, um, in value in the total stock market index fund, and I realized that you know I I could just cash that out, pay the early withdrawal fees and pay the taxes, and have quite a bit of capital to do something with if I wanted to. And I learned about some of the very interesting uh, concepts that that exist called rollover business startup that you can, it's called Rob's program, and you can roll over your 401k into a uh, business. You can basically buy your business with your 401k. And I ended up not exercising that, that option, but knowing that I had options and knowing that I had capital kind of gave me a sense of confidence to think about what I could do. And then I realized that real estate was a, a method for which I could dip my toe into it. What I was so afraid of with a Rob's situation or buying a franchise or whatever I was looking into is I would just be buying myself another job. Yeah. And I really didn't want to be trapped in some sort of franchise where I was w- working and slaving away just as hard as I was doing. And so, and it's not that I'm in an important distinction that you said a while ago that I, that I really liked is that I, I'm not afraid of the work. I, in fact, I, I in, enjoy working so long as it's work that I think is meaningful. And in the context of this, this podcast, know your why um, that, is what we're really all after is finding meaningful work that is in line with your purpose. And there's a famous saying that I'm going to, um, but- butcher, but there's this day that you, know, you were born and there's this day when you realize why you were born. And that is the second, um, but, um, you, it's when you're born again, physically in this world, um, not in the sense of, um, of religion but in the sense of I, I know my purpose and I've figured out what I'm going to do with my time and then everything about your being can't help but do that and when you find that opportunities to you um become um immense and and, re- and resources become irrelevant you still need the resources, but it's so important to you, you will find the resources. You know, yep. So you, uh, Tony Robbins is saying, it's not about your resources, it's how, how resourceful you are. And when you are behind your reason and you know your why, you will you will do everything that you can to do that or die trying. And if it's that important to you, if it's as important to you as a breath to a drowning person, then you will find a why. You will find a reason and a way to to fulfill your why.
0: Yeah. The, the why really creates the motivation, right? Because Period. Up, up to that point, it's not like you weren't successful, right? You were <laughs> successful climbing the corporate ladder. Many people would look at that and say, he's, he's doing great. What's the problem? Sure. Why would he stop doing that? And it is, it becomes that, you know, sort of turning point where you just realize that not, nah, there's more than this and, and I'm going for it. And I think it's, it's a very sort of powerful, you know, whether it, Happens on that one (laughs) ride back from the beach, or it takes you a couple of years of thinking about it. It doesn't really matter how you arrive there. I think I think it's just important that that people realize that what they're doing in life. You know, we we don't live forever, so it's just kind of let's let's make the best of it while we're here. Um, I'm curious when when you were making. I actually want to ask you about that Robs thing because I've actually never heard of it. But when Mm. you were making that transition, did you? People talk a lot about, you know, sort of burning the boats or burning the bridges where sort of quit and just go all in. And there, that's sort of one school of thought. And then there's the other, well, I'm going to keep my job for a while and kind of make that transition by replacing my W-2 income. Mm-hmm. And then once I do, I can go ahead and, and sort of get out of that and move into real estate full time. How did, how did you do it?
1: Uh, the way I did it was not burning, burning the boats. I, I did a gradual transition. So I bought uh, properties and it gradually replaced my income. And I made a switch uh, about two years into it to where my income was coming from the rentals and the wholesaling and the deal things I was doing. And then my, my, my income from my job was my savings, was my, my extra expendable taking account so to speak but a stream of income that was going to go away soon right and so making that transition uh, i think is very smart especially when it comes to rentals uh, rentals are a funny little business and if you're only relying on rentals to replace your income then you you probably need um more more houses than you might first think because uh, the income from rentals is so um is pretty consistent actually, but the the expenses for rentals are very volatile. Yeah. So if you're not allocating uh, money for rehabs when a when a tenant turns over, you can get caught not having enough cash, but being very house rich but cash poor. And if you need that that cash to pay your own personal mortgage, it can be a very uncomfortable position to be in. Ask me how I know why. Um, so the my, my thought on that is um, no way is right or wrong, so to speak, so, so long as you you go to it with clear intention. I like, I prefer the strategy of not burning the boats and having a, a transition plan because you don't know what's, not, what's going to happen. You can't predict the future. And you don't know how successful you're really going to be until you kind of get into it. And with things like um, wholesaling or r- rental, or being a re- real estate entrepreneur, or rentals, or Airbnb host, or whatever you're doing, um, when you're doing that in real estate, you can do it gradually. You can have the you can take the side hustle approach. I like the side hustle approach because you can use the fact that you're bankable from your job to get get loans, and you can use the you can flatten out that learning curve, and and stretch it out over time so you're not having to. Um, overcome so much so fast because it's yeah. there's a fair amount to learn and once you get it it's easy but it's it's a lot to learn at first now with that being said the caveat i would say if that keeps you from taking action then burn the boats yep. if if it takes you burning the boats and having no safety uh, harness to take the action necessary then burn the boats
0: yeah no that, that's actually a really good point point. and mean, a couple couple of things and, and i was going to touch on it but you said at the uh, the the lending the financing piece is it's a lot easier to get the financing for your deals especially when you're starting out if you have a W two income to oh, yeah. sort of show to the bank it it you know I feel like once you get a, as an established real estate investor and you can show uh, you've got a lot of cash flow you're gonna be fine at that point but yeah in mm-hmm. the beginning that's that's very very helpful and I think your point about you know sort of your willingness to take action if you're if you're afraid and you're not going to do it. And you're going to keep, you know, using the excuses and and it's not even excuses, but it's comfortable in, you know, having a W2 corporate job. It's, it's comfortable once you've kind of had some success in that world. And so it's hard to leave that comfort zone with the unknown of this is going to be bigger. What, you know, my, my real estate, my entrepreneurial nature, whatever it is, that's going to be bigger than my W2. So I think that, that's actually a really good point and and maybe why there's two schools of thought it's like for for people that are uh, maybe unwilling to take the action and unwilling to do it as a side hustle then yeah go ahead and just get into it I, i'm sure it also kind of has a lot to do with whatever your position in, in is in life you know my my 22 year old self if with no family no kids versus my now 46 year old self with a wife and a son and a, and a baby on the way, yep. the risk that I <laughs> that I feel comfortable taking would be would be very different. So I think it's kind of it, there's a lot of factors that go into it. I guess I don't think there's a wrong way, but I think you know it. It's you got to figure out what works for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, as you made that transition, how, how long? How long did you? you huh. said
1: about two years. I was about two. And two and a quarter years into a three-year plan pretty much. And I got laid off. So <laughs> my, my, my um, yeah. situation was accelerated and it couldn't have been, uh, it couldn't have been better. It was perfect timing. It, I was able to go out and I had things, I had freedom of time in a way that I uh, just didn't have before. I'd already taught myself how to buy things without needing bank financing. So I was, I was in very good shape.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes if, they, they burn the boats for you, then you have, <laughs> that's right. you have, you know, sort of you're presented with an opportunity and you need to make the best of it. So I think And that's,
1: thank goodness maybe. I did, right? Because um, had I not done that, I probably would have had to move my family to another city to find a job that uh, was uh, commensurate to what I was used to being paid. And I don't want to move. That I, I, this is where my family is. This is where I want to be. This is where uh, both my, my, me and my wife's parents, uh, both live nearby. And this is where we want to raise our family. And it would have been very frustrating and very counterproductive to our goals to have to suddenly um, have the uh, the rug pulled out from underneath us because I was and we still are, I guess, a single-income family. I'm the one that. Um, uh, earns the money, my wife's someone that spends the money. and it's an arrangement that we've had from from the very beginning and, and we're, we're happy with it. But if I had lost my single source of income, talking about risk, um, I don't think people assess risk properly. and that risk is a lot higher than people realize.
0: Yeah, yeah no, I, I totally agree. And again, it's another it's another story that you're very commonly in the real estate world where people are, you know, whatever it is, you, you get laid off. Uh, I've talked to a couple of moms on my podcast about, you know, interviewed them, and they're like, "Well, my job wasn't going to let me spend the time I want at home with my kid. I wasn't going to get enough maternity leave. Whatever, you know, whatever the story is, and you either, you know, make an opportunity out of that, or you, or you, I guess, sort of start over at a new job. And so I don't, I don't think that. I I think the risk is really in that you were at the whim of someone else in that in that situation. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. And, you know, you know, not, nobody wants to get laid off, but at least at that point, you had established a system and, and things like that and gotten yourself, you know, set to be a full-time real estate investor. So that's, that's great. Um, I think one of the things that I, that I, uh, I know about you and I think very interesting would be good for the listeners, but um, I think you have a, a really good set of systems in place. Um, and I wonder if you wouldn't kind of talk about that and, you know, sort of your process in, in building those things. Cause I, I think that could be very helpful.
1: So processes is the, is the secret to being a good business owner. So, um, a, an amateur talks about strategy, the master talks about processes, and that is something to take to, to heart for those who are listening. So it is, uh, much more difficult to do than what I just said. Like, so, okay. Yeah. Processes are good. Let's do that. Well, why is Chick-fil-A so good at what they do and pick your random, you know, uh, Burger King, why is Burger King not so good at what they do? What is the different difference in experience? It's the process period. I mean, like it's the failure of leadership on one end and the, and the, the uh, extreme wonderful leadership on the other side that is, willing to put the work in to build the process and they are constantly refining it. Like how many times did you see the joke on the internet this year? It's like, well, we got this COVID problem. Why, why don't we get Chick-fil-A on this problem? Because they yep. just run their operations so lean and so efficiently. And it's because of process and they are constantly improving it. So lesson learned there. You've got the idea. What do I do in my business? So I, I, uh, subscribe to the idea of the, the book traction and you follow the If anybody hasn't read it and you're thinking about running a business, read the book traction. It's just, it's kind of required reading, I would say. Mm-hmm. And you follow the, the principles of this book. And, and some of them are that you just have the right person in the right process and you hire people or you, you, you hire for the position, and you don't hire people. And some people subscribe to other, uh, other me- methods. I have not managed to pull that off successfully. Um, But sometimes you just find a rock star and you're like, okay, you're going to fit someplace, but you want to find them to put them in a place that makes sense for them. And the process is... Is has to be repeatable. I mean, and it's so obvious and seems so trite to say these things, but in reality to do it is so difficult, but you want a repeatable process that you can replace the person at any point and put another person in there, because what's going to happen is they're going to end up replacing themselves. They're going to, they're going to move on. um, Because they aren't they're they're not in the right place or they are, you know, uh, somebody is going to move to another country, you know, things happen and people move and maybe they move up in your business and then you need to replace them. And this is, you know, a important strategies. So in my, in my company, I'm always measuring everything so that I know what's happening. I have key performance indicators and every person knows their number. Like if you're a salesperson, what is your number? Your number is how many people have made offers to period. That, that's the only number that matters. There's other things I care about. I want to know how many contracts. I want to know how many actually close. I want to know how many phone calls you're making, but my leading indicator is how many offers have you made. So this is this idea of leading measures versus versus lagging measures. So in the context that people all understand is tracking your calorie intake versus tracking your um, your, your weight. So if you consistently track your calories, the weight will take care of itself because you, you're measuring it. And this is true in any sort of business metric. So you, you take that one component and you want to measure it. So if you're in the, um, I don't know, you're in the rental space, how many applications have you received for your for your, for your vacant property? And every person who is in a group and are in a function, they report back to me as the business owner, what their numbers are. And when the numbers don't look good, then we dig deeper. But if their number is good and I'm getting the results that I want over time, then they seem to be doing the right thing.
0: Yeah. No, that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's probably if you're tracking the lagging measures, it's too late. Right. At that point, you're it, right. It's, it's, I mean, it's good to know it's good. To, it's almost like you want to know that if you're tracking calories that you're actually losing weight, but if you're, mm. if you're just tracking the weight, you're probably not exactly sure why the weight went down. And I'm not sure if it's going to go back up, but yeah, exactly. that, that's kind of, so that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, And so at at this point, sort of in your business, maybe just tell people a little bit so they know kind of what what you're doing, what your uh, business model Hmm. is and and all of that so they can kind of see how how this would apply in your uh, specific niche of real estate.
1: Sure, so in real estate... Um, so I have a lot of businesses and they all kind of resolve revolve around this idea of real estate. So the central uh, theme or function is that they are all real estate or real estate, real estate tangential. And so I am a marketer for deals period. Um, and so that is my fundamental driving force: is I want to market for deals that are at a discount so that I can buy them and sell them at a premium. And, and by selling them, I could rent them over time, right? I could Airbnb them. I could Um, um, to midterm rentals, to furnished, find through furnished finders, to, uh, to uh, nurses. Um, Or I could flip the property or I could wholesale a property or I could sell it on a contract. There's a lot of different options, right? A lot of exit strategies. Mm -hmm. I don't focus the exit on the exit strategies until I find the deal. And then once I market to find the deal, typically in single family, um, I take that single family and then I figure out where it fits and what's the best exit. Do I want a quick nickel and wholesale it? Do I want a long dime and do I want to flip it? Or do I want to hold this property on, in, on for the long term as a rental? Or do I want to sell it on a land contract under financing? So there's a lot of different kind of, or could I do, do I want an Airbnb? So there's a lot of different kind of strategies. And I have a business in, in each of those things that I've just described. And then on top of that, I have a coaching business and I have a lending business that are on top of all these things as well. So I'm building several streams of income because I just like, the idea of building businesses. And yeah. I want to find a rock star um, operator who's going to be my integrator and run each of those businesses. So I have somebody who manages my flips. I have somebody who manages my marketing and, and, and all of my um, kind of talent acquisition in the uh, wholesaling space. And I have somebody that is um, going to be working with me on the Airbnb side. This is a very new step for me. I have a new kind of approach to it that I'm going to be experimenting with and I'm just looking for different aspects of that and then in the coaching consulting business um, which is where my real passion is and my real purpose is is this is where I'm spending my time and energy to grow and transform people's lives but it's all based on these fundamental businesses that are you think of it like a solar system so it's the it's the real it's the solar system real estate for which Paul is the is the sun and I have these tangential um orbiting concepts. So one's wholesaling, one's flipping. And so some of these businesses may have may have, these planetary bodies out here may have moons that go around them because they have, so they have businesses that make sense around that. And I just keep adding to that solar system, but it's yeah. all based around the theme of, I want to find single family properties that make sense and that I know I can buy or acquire control for a discount and then profit by owning or serving somebody in that function using that asset
0: yeah yeah. I, I i like i really like how you described that and you sort of uh i think brought up a good, a good point that a lot of people ask and I, I mean like i was one of these people not too long ago where i was like how do people do all that right and i feel huh. like a lot of people i mean I, I was just even today i was talking to my uncle earlier just catching up or whatever and kind of telling him what's going on with us and He's like, how do you how do you have time to do that? And I'm like, well, one, if you're passionate about it, you you make the time and you put yeah. it where it needs to be. But but what you're getting into, I think, is even bigger in that. Okay, you're the you're the the son, the CEO, right? And mm-hmm. you're sort of <laughs> your gravitational gravitational pull is bringing in these you know orbiting other people that are really sort of running things for you and you're you're sort of overseeing, making sure everything's going the way. And you're, you're using, your using your KPIs to, to, to track it, track it. And, and right. so it allows, it's, it's a fascinating thing. I mean, it allows people to really do a lot, you know, in terms of having impact, you know, you're, you're coaching, you're, you're also wholesaling, flipping all of those things. You're, you're going to do this Airbnb it allows you to do all of that, but not have to work, you know, 30 hours of a 24 hour day, like it just, (laughs) which is what you, I I think that's what people think happens. And it's like, you look at people like Elon Musk, he's the king of that, right? He's not Mm -hmm. building the rockets. He's not building the Teslas. He's, you know, like he's the vision. And I think, you know, you mentioned traction. There's, you know, a few other books who not how, which I think is a a good one that people can look into um, where it's, it's about, you're trying to find, the person that can do the thing that, you know, needs to be done. And then there's the book vivid vision, which is essentially where you put out there. This is my vision and this is what I want, you know, where I want all of this to go. So it's, it's a, really a fascinating thing to me, the, the structuring and building of businesses and then how it, how it maybe looks to people outside that this one person is doing everything. And it it's, Although they may be having a lot of the ideas, you really do have to learn how to to bring people in and, and you know put people in the in the right place.
1: And you just described it perfectly. You you did you said everything that I was going to hit on, and so I'll just maybe say it a different way so people have a chance to hear this. Um, everything Jason just said. Go back and re listen to that, and then take a second, process that, and then I'm going to kind of comment a little more on this now. So uh, he talked about the gravitational pull well what is the gravitational pull that makes my ecosystem work fundamentally what is the force of nature that is making that coalesce in my solar system stay in place and not go flying off into space well it's the common vision and there's no right common vision but we all have a shared common vision and our shared common vision is to transform lives period so using real estate so when i transform lives and I'm thinking about oh, starting a business, what can I do and what business can I start that I feel like is profitable or provide some sort of value into the universe That's I can find somebody, the who, not the how. I'll figure out the how, but I want to find the who. And I'll kind of add interleave onto this, this, this idea of like zones that, that a person is evolving into. So um, there's zone one, which is where people ask why. And you can ask why the right way. And you can ask why the wrong way. And most people ask why the wrong way, and they are complaining about their conditions. They're they're playing the victim versus playing the visionary. And when you're the visionary, you're like, well, why do I want this to happen? Then you figure out, okay, so so how does this work? Like, how does Airbnb work? How does rental rental real estate work? Whatever your chosen um, niche is, you find your underlying. Um, mechanisms for doing it and then you need to find the who who this is zone three zone two is how zone three is who who can i attract using my vision Uh, i use the word attract very specifically the gravitational force that comes to you that i can attract people to me via my vision of we're going to go start an airbnb business because we want to transform lives you want to give those people a, a memorable experience that they've never had before and they can't find anywhere else And then the people who work for them are going to be able to um, find the right person, the who, who loves transforming really crummy properties that have good bones into destination places. That's that's their why, because they love doing that. And they're going to transform their lives and building a business around it. And I want to hire that person and make them the visionary of this one planet. And now they have a gravitational pull of the moons that orbit it
0: yeah it's a i mean the the solar system analogy is is i don't know that it could be more perfect it it really does make a lot of sense well let me okay on that how do you find these people how do you good question i mean i i would imagine once you're you know sort of the more established you get the 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 bigger your solar system gets Mm -hmm. the easier that gets right like i don't think i don't think you know just again, using Elon Musk, like it's probably not hard for Elon Musk to attract talent to talent, his business. Yeah. Like people, people want to work for Tesla. They want to work for SpaceX, like the, the, probably the best in the business are like, yeah, this guy does amazing things. He's changing the world. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you get that out there? And I'm asking for myself as much as I'm asking for listeners. Cause I, I'm, I'm also sort of in that zone where I am. I really do want to start, you know, sort of bringing people on and, and doing the, I really like what you talked about is in terms of they're probably going to get, you know, get out of that job. But what I want it to be is because they excel and then they, be, they just evolve with the company and become you know, Absolutely. Sort of the next level. Um, yep. obvi- that's probably what everybody wants. I'm not unique in that. But, but how, are you, how are you finding that talent? How are you attracting those, those rock stars?
1: Um, one thing is that you get on a microphone in front of somebody else's podcast and you talk about your vision. And, and I say that a little bit tongue in cheek, but um, I'm also very serious. You have to have a compelling vision and your compelling vision will uh, attract all sorts of good people. I mean, Elon Musk, you know, like him or, like, or, or not, um, he is changing the world and he has a vision and it is clear that he wants to change the world. He's said this from the very, very beginning. And anybody who has um, a, a business and wants to create their own little ecosystem, solar system, if you will, then you have to have this driving force and an intention to find people who want to do the functions that you need. Then secondly, there are some mechanical things that you want to, you want to do right. So I'm very big on culture and understanding what my values are. And I don't interview for values because people will just say whatever you want them to, whatever you want to hear. I have them tell me what their values are by asking Um, questions like what you know like kind of the behavioral type questions but more um, generically like um, tell me about a time when you um, were doing something that that made you come alive and what was that and you're really trying to get people to talk about what that is and you look for the spark in people and when you hear the spark say well what was it about that that made that so interesting to you And, and and you're trying to find to see if that spark somehow aligns with what you want them to do. And if it's, if, if you're hiring someone to do a job, you're never going to get the, the room for greatness. You're going to get good enough and you're going to just get good enough. Um, and then I do trials. I do a three week trial that everybody that, that I bring on, I don't care if it's a virtual assistant. I don't care if it's a CEO, it just, you get a three week trial. And at the end of three weeks, we're going to talk about, um, if you want to keep going and they know they're, they're on a three week trial. And at the end of three weeks, I give them the chance to leave. And no hard feelings, best of luck. Who can I refer you to? It just, this wasn't a fit. It's it's perfectly fine. And we both have to agree that we're going to move forward. And then then we do another three-month trial. And at the end of three months, they become an employee. And only then do they become an employee. And th- those first three weeks, I'm just getting a fit for personality. And if we even need them and you know, all this kind of stuff. And the next part is they're really kind of selling themselves into the job to see if they actually like the job. Yep. They they found out within the first three weeks, like me, they found out within the first three three months or the remaining three months, if they like the job and if they see themselves doing this for a long time. At the end of the three months, I may actually pay them out. I, You know, we, we messed up. Here's two grand. Best of luck to you. I'm sorry that didn't work out. but Go forth and conquer, and here's two thousand dollars to get you started, or whatever the number is, five hundred dollars. You know, it depends on the job, yeah. and it's just not it's not not a hard thing. And when you set those expectations on the front end, you give yourself a chance to evaluate versus signing a contract, based on a couple of interviews on the front end, and they didn't even, never get a chance to even do the job. It, that, that I think that approach yeah. is flawed and doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I actually really like that strategy. I think that. I mean, most jobs don't do that, right? It's like, here's your, you know, (laughs) submit your application. Maybe you have a a short conversation uh, in a, in a more professional or corporate setting. Maybe you have a working interview of a day, but then it's like, okay, here's this, you know, sometimes long-term contract and, and, do you really know that person? Or do they even know, like, do they really know the company? They can't, you can't know. No way. It's impossible. You can't know if it's a fit that quick. So I I, I like the the trial situation. And I think it's also very good to be, I also feel like there's a lot of companies that say that there's a trial, right. You have a 60 or a 90 day sort Mm of uh, window where, you know, there's, there's some sort of exit strategy, but, but rarely do people actually execute that, exit strategy, even if it's not, you know, it has to be, I almost feel like it has to be egregiously not a fit for people to say, yeah, let's, let's not do this. But I think it's just, it's better to say, look, Hey, thank you for your time. Paying them off is, you know, paying them out is great. Just so that they, they know, look, we, we, we wanted to, to give this a shot. I know it might take you a minute to find another job like this will help you out. So, Mm -hmm. and, and being honest, right from the beginning about, how that process is going to go is is tremendous I, it's just it, it's funny because it makes so much sense but i know that that's not the common way of doing things
1: it's not i i don't know with um laws uh, depending on the jurisdiction if that would work at scale if, if that would be you know, a viable thing with, um, you know, if once you get an HR department and whatnot, when you're a small nimble business, you can get away with a lot more um, yeah. than you don't have as many requirements from a legal p- point of view in the US. So yeah. that gives me um, quite a bit of leeway and, that, and I like it that way. I, I don't want to run a, a big juggernaut with 500 or to five thousand employees, uh, I might one day have control of a set of businesses that effectively have five thousand employees. But I want them small. I want them nimble. And I want them um, operating f- for in line with their business, and that they, they each know each other's name names personally, and they kind of create a ecosystem where they really are treating each other properly. That's far more important to me than the potential profit of the synergies of getting to a big company. That's not interesting to me. I've, I've been in that environment. It creates a, a perverse incentives and there's plenty of those companies in the world. The real backbone of the U S and the challenge that we have in the U S right now is that the, the working class is being eroded. The middle class is, is becoming the haves or have nots. There's a very few middle. And one of the things that I'm trying to do by transforming lives is allowing people to go up that socioeconomic ladder. I want to help people start businesses. I want to help people get into jobs inside of small businesses that really hire the people and not just the function. That's really important to me.
0: Yeah, I I love that. I, I, I have a sort of a similar vision for us too. In the sense that I, it's what I love is that you know, never once have you been like, I want however many millions of dollars hundreds of millions of dollars under management or what it it's not. I think a lot of people see it as it's about the money. And I, I think really that's not, that's not the case. Like, yes, it takes money to run big companies. And, and uh, of course we all like to have, you know, the, the, the money to care for our families and, and make things comfortable for them. But, but ultimately that's not the driver right? You want to change lives. You want to, uh, you know, allow people who maybe didn't have the opportunities to get into this type of business, to get, to get into the business. Um, one of my big things is I love the idea of opportunity zones because I want to develop underprivileged areas and help people. Like let's, mm-hmm. let's go actually help a whole neighborhood or, you know, several neighborhoods. Like that's a really impactful thing that I, I'll never be sad about if that's what I leave behind. If people are like, right. hey, look, he <laughs> look look how look what this neighborhood used to be like and now what it's like because they went in there and, and did some good things. Like I'll never feel bad about that. And it's it it's, I mean, I think we're now really digging into, you know, generally the the whole point behind this podcast for me is and and typically, you know, one of the questions I ask every guest, and I think we're talking about it, so we might as well just go there is, you know, kind of what is your why? Um, and I think you've you've talked a bit about it, but but maybe if you want to directly answer that question, now would be a good time, Paul. If you
1: yes, thank you for that opportunity because that's something that um, I've spent a great deal of time thinking about, just in general. But I uh, it's actually fortuitous Jason. Uh, I actually went to a a retreat this past weekend. So we're we're recording this in early June. Uh, in late May, I went to. A, a retreat and it was part of, of me was reconnecting with my why was my intention of going to there um, and it is I'm a, I'm a member of mastermind it's called m1 and I I went to it uh, to an event for the first time in person and met the people that I'm that I'm a member of this very large mastermind community and the whole uh, event was about kind of aligning your thoughts and feelings with your actions and your vision and that multiple, um, (laughs) um, tests of what your vision was and how carefully you crafted it and how much clarity you had on it. And before I get into the answer of what my, um, vision is, I'll share a story about what we did is, uh, on Thursday we had an event and then, uh, where we got to know each other and you know, had, had dinner and whatnot. And then the next day we got up, it was in Phoenix and we got up at some like 4am in the morning and climbed the first little like 10th of the Camelback mountain in Phoenix to this area that looks over the, um, the, the sunrise. Um, so we got up and we got up there and we did this all in silence. So we knew this was going into it, like the next morning, you're going to get up, you're going to get in the shuttle and you're going to go to this mountain and you're going to walk up to this location and you're going to see the sunrise. You're going to do it all in silence. It was intentional part of the design of, of the event. And it was just kind of a witness to the, the wonder of the world that we were in and um, kind of introspectively thinking about kind of where you fit. I mean, you can't help but think about where you fit in the world and, and, and like, why am I here? And you know, what is my purpose? And and then we would go on and walk the remainder of the mountain, which is like a 2,700 mile um, or, or 2,700 foot um, peak. And it's um, as far as uh, regular hiking that people have access to probably about as difficult as you're going to get without ha- actually having to have technical ability. It's, it's pretty challenging. And it is, if you've ever uh, climbed it, you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it is very steep and rocky and, when you summit it, finally, when you summit it, um, you have this amazing uh, surround view of Phoenix. And many people had a lot of trouble with it. And there have been people who have tried to do it before and couldn't and were able to make it. And they had 30,000 people or or 30 people at the top of the mountain cheer for them as they finally made it up this uh, mountain 30 minutes after everybody else. But it didn't matter, right? Because they finished it. And the whole point of this was to... Uh, give you an opportunity to think about your, your vision uh, and what you want to do. And it, I I was uh, reaffirmed that my vision is to uh, transform lives through small business ownership and real estate. And, and you've, you've heard my explanation of the solar system and kind of what I want, I'm trying to create in my, in fact, I'm going to change those words, what I am creating in the in the world within my ecosystem, and it's not about me. It is around. It's about my vision because my vision and my the um, the presence of my son as the center of it will will fade one day, but the vision won't change. There will be people who will go on long after I'm here who are trying to to uh, continue to grow and build and pay it forward to transform lives so that people are able to go to work and do work that is meaningful and own small businesses and have real estate assets that are serving the community that they're in. And fundamentally, they are adding value over and above what they are getting back. So they're basically pouring the right energy into the universe and the universe repays them in in spades in ways that I don't fully understand. But I do believe that's the case that um, when your, your energy and spirit and your intention is pure and you're trying to serve people, you just can't help but get more back, and then what do you do with it? Do you go and build another bigger mansion and not do nothing else with it, but sit in your in your um, pool? Like, what's the point in that? You reinvest it back into and let your the resources um, flow through you, and you are just really the conduit for those resources to continue to add to the value and to the experience of people's lives. So that's a long answer that fundamentally means that I am trying to transform lives using small business and real estate.
0: Uh, I, I like that it was a long answer is it I, li- I like the explanation I like this st- I mean it's a uh, it's funny you know sort of you mentioned the hike and everything like that it is funny how just getting out in nature like seeing the world from outside of an office or something like that that can really be Awakening, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Awakening is a good word. Whatever, whatever, yeah. the, whatever word you want to use. And, I, and again, I don't, don't mean it in a religious sense. I just mean like, it really connects you and allows you to think. And I, I think it's, it's funny. I, I, uh, I'm originally from Boston, you know, winters are bad. I love Boston. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I just don't like the winter. So it, that's True. why I don't live there anymore, but I live, I live in Southern California and I been here four or five years now. I am still struck by the, beauty that is around california and it's like maybe it's because it's different than what i grew up in like there are very beautiful things about boston new england and everything like that mm-hmm, it, sure. it, it's in and, and anywhere but just i mean sometimes i'm driving and you know everybody in la is known for its traffic but sometimes i'm driving and i'm like but look out the window yeah Right. Okay. You're si- like, you're sitting here, roll down the window, look out the window. <laughs> like it's beautiful. It's amazing. And I think, you know, obviously that's a very different experience than hiking to a mountain uh, for, for sunrise. But if you're willing to take that in and sort of appreciate what's around you, like the world's still a pretty cool place. And then now I can take that energy and like you said, transform lives. I mean, I think, I think it's a, a phenomenal way to, uh, run a retreat i mean to start a retreat just in silence and because if everybody's talking they're not going to be watching what they're doing they're not exactly going to be. so i think it's actually uh quite brilliant to to do it that way so that's that's great and thank you for for staring sharing that story um so another question for you paul the the, the next one that i that i ask everyone is um t- tell us something about yourself that maybe people don't know about you it can be a hobby uh, a guilty pleasure anything you know something from a past life, whatever, whatever you think, uh, whatever you're comfortable sharing with, but you think that would Mm -hmm. be interesting for people to know.
1: Oh yeah. I am a um, better than above average um, ping pong player. And it's funny that you say that Um, uh, this, um, this retreat that we went to this past weekend, this is what's recent on my mind. So you'll hear me uh, refer to it a lot because it was actually quite a transformational experience for me. Um, They did these uh, uh, little, like a little Olympic games and, and they're like, okay, so we're going to play darts. We're going to play ping pong. We're going to uh, do putt-putt golf. Um, and this is all on this guy's property, by the way. He's like, this is how cool it is. This is his mansion. Yeah. You, Your you're playing is on. <laughs> yeah. um, and they had like swimming contests. And they had um, uh, soccer kicks and uh, cornhole and just all these little kind of fun games. Yeah. And um, we, were, we, we were broken up into teams. And one of those teams, or uh, the, the, the team leader that we had, um, he asked us, "Okay, now let's like rank each other and like see who we, th- you know, like, where do you think you stand on a scale of one to four, one being really good, four being weak." And so we went through it, and the only one that I felt like I was going to be a one on is uh, ping pong. I was, um, I- I- I'm better than the average bear, and um, I'm as good as anybody's going to be without be- actually playing all the time and going to tournaments. And and then on putt putt golf, I-, I said I'm a three. Um, And I ended up winning the putt-putt golf thing against people who who I never play golf. I do not golf. And I I haven't actually played putt-putt in 10 years, probably. So this is not something that that I do. Um, And I I ended up winning. And it was several of the players who were against the whole field of 40 people, probably 10 of them were avid golfers and good golfers. And I was, for some reason, was able to beat all of them. So um, unbeknownst to me, I'm actually, uh, I had beginner's luck or something, but I have a knack for putt-putt golf and I am a better than average uh, ping pong player.
0: Nice. I feel like putt-putt and and actual golf are like different sports. It's a totally different thing. I'm not good at either, but I (laughs) think I think that, uh, there are different sports. I actually love ping pong. I'm sure you would beat me, but I'm, I'm not terrible. So I, that would be fun. We would have fun. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, uh, and I apologize. I think that pretty soon we're going to start to hear a a leaf blower. The landscaper just showed up, but, uh, I, uh, I wanted to get out there and we'll put everything in the show notes too, but what's the best way for people to reach out to you, Paul?
1: Um, The best best way to get a hold of me and to reach me is on Facebook, probably a Facebook messenger, um, um, Paul Thompson is, is, is my name. And if you want to find my website, it's pauldavidthompson.com. And if you have any interest in, in real estate specifically, and would like to be a part of a community of people who are in, are actively trying to improve their real estate game, I have a community called My Freedom Foundry, but the way to get to it is escapeyourw2.com. And i uh, understandably the whole idea behind escape your w2.com in my freedom foundry is to create an opportunity for people to uh, um, control their lives uh, using real estate. And then if they don't need a w2 anymore afterwards, that's the point, right? You don't have to quit, but you can, if you want to.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. You, you, there's no requirement to, to, to leave right. your W w2 job. It's just, you know, some, some, it's a good, you know, going back to metrics, it's a good metric tab, right? It's like when, whenever my investing allows me to do that, whether I like to, whether I want to or not, or you potentially uh, decide to scale back on it at some point, but um, all right, Paul, final question. Uh, what, what can I do or what can the listeners do to help you and uh, your business grow? Is there anything you, that uh, we can put out there for, for people to help you?
1: Well, I have a podcast called Ready Investor One that I will uh, soon be rebranding to My Freedom Foundry. So depending on when you listen to this, you can go listen to or, or look for either one of those, but it's currently called Ready Investor One and I'm kind of doing a rebrand. I'm in the middle of a rebrand to My Freedom Foundry, which is my you know, my community where that helps people forge their freedom. And this um, the, the value of, of, of this and what I would ask for you is to, if you're interested in real estate, um, listen to my podcast and um, pick up my, my book, which I can send to you. Um, it, is, it is talking about how to escape your W-2 using these the different avenues and creating fundamentally freedom. And the, the ask that I would have of you is to invest in yourself. Find a way to improve yourself and if any of my resources happen to be useful in that, I, I give them uh, with you with all the energy and, and, um, and hopes that, and, and dreams that you make the most of your life. And that's fundamentally what I'm about is um, working just to pay the bills is not a life that's worth living, I don't think. Uh, we are in a, 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 a place in our in our um, evolution as, as humans that we don't have to live that way anymore, especially in the first world countries that most of us are probably in listening to this. There's opportunity that abounds and you don't have to be a wage slave that is this tr- trading time for money. You can be, build something and fundamentally you want to figure out a way to gain assets that you can control and build in order to pay it forward.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, that's that's great. Well, and we'll put everything uh, in the show notes for people to see. So it'll all be there. Um, and thanks a lot, Paul. This this has been great. I actually, just really enjoyed the conversation myself and I hope uh, I'm sure the listeners will as well. Um, but thank you for coming on today. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. All right. Goodbye, everyone.